Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom, where wisdom comes from everywhere. This is a podcast about generational wisdom shared to help build a bridge for future generations and to build stronger communities through education, technology, and health. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Hola, hola. Welcome to Season 5, gente. We are excited and laser-focused about the content we're going to put out this season moving into 2024. You know, when I started this podcast in the late 2019, I stood by this unshakable truth of using technology with our voices to keep our communities and our stories relevant by raising awareness of the unseen in our communities and to elevate the movements of more women of color into Congress and also to recognize organizations that are creating unbelievable change that big media just chooses not to follow or to cover. These stories that we are creating, these data points that we're providing out into technology platforms, we and they are the boots on the ground for the change makers of tomorrow and the future of what AI will represent us when prompted correctly. Now, that's a whole nother story. You can check out episode 42 about that one. But what I've said in the past and speaking in person is that technology has the power to change the narrative because as we speak and as I wrote this, it is changing and making a new content data point. All of our input from our stories, our current relevance and our communities that we are presenting out into these platforms by podcasting and creating content, that's a vital data point that these technology platforms cannot easily erase. You know, our communities right now are in peril as bills and voter registration and all these abortion rights, especially the turning of Roe versus Wade, which was created 50 years ago in the civil rights movement, have been overturned. We cannot stand by the sidelines when our ancestors and also our legacy of our historical relatives have created policies and systems for us to thrive. We must look back and thank them for their contributions by supporting what we have put down, but also how we can change the future. You know, as much as I want to use technology for good, many people will use it for bad and they will leverage more fear and false information as we move into 2024. We have community power and just as much access to these technology systems and their platforms to provide community resources of truth and also where to access information for opportunities. As I watch the 2026 election, I know the events of Facebook swaying the election based on content from ads that were supported by the Republican Party to sway the vote, and these algorithms that threw in the false narratives and information to our communities. This is a known fact, and we can look it up in a docuseries if you'd like. It's through Netflix. This is not something I am making up. This is our most crucial and very necessary time, as I've mentioned, for women and community leaders and allies that are making the narrative change through collective media, building their own technology platforms, and finding the opportunity to exist in our creative power. We only have to look to the South 
And I'm talking about Mexico, which just recently abolished abortion as a criminal offense, and they are on the path to electing their first female president from the two most major political parties that run the entire nation. They have only been able to vote since 1953, and that is the power of women coming together to make something wonderful happen. It was not that long ago that Latinas are changing the narrative. When we have access to healthcare and education, our communities thrive. Systems get changed. Economic power shifts towards equality and racial and economic justice. In this upcoming 2024 election, which a lot of the podcasts that I will be hosting in season five will be representing and discussing a lot of the policies and information of how we can stand and be stronger together in that upcoming election, we will use these platforms as a collective voice and resource for us to find the opportunity to make sure that we are safe because we are the most at risk with policies and bills being created against our communities and especially women of color. These technology platforms will not be our one source of truth until we are included in the development of our own content. We are heard in local community media outlets, and we also help create avenues for the conversations to help mobilize our voices towards the democracy for future generations. As the great John Lewis, who tirelessly fought for voter and civil rights in the South, and particularly in Alabama, a state that now criminalizes women who leave the state for an abortion, he once said, when something is unjust and not right or fair, we have a moral obligation to say something, to do something. When our children's children ask us, what did you do? What did you say? This is where we hold the power in our hands to make that change. You're listening to it right now. So thank you for joining us in this movement of changing the dominant narrative through the power of our collective voices. It's so vital. And you have the power to change technology. So let's welcome Beatriz Verana, the CEO of the Women's Foundation of California. Gracias, Bia, for joining me today on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. It's an honor to have you here based on everything that's going on in not just the nation and California, but really globally. And it's a discussion that really needs to happen between intergenerational wisdom being shared, which is what I like to say on the podcast a lot, sharing the wisdom of where we were in the past, where we're going in the future. And today, what's going on? And it's imperative that the audience and all of us just take a step back to understand what's really happening to women's rights. And you now just being appointed as the CEO of the Women's Foundation of California, which has a long history of women's rights gender, racial, and economic justice since 1979. You're from Brazil, and here you are holding down this giant organization that has accomplished many bills in California and 
you're fighting for reproductive justice right now and also what's happening in the election coming up. So before we get into all that, I know that's a heavy. Everybody take a step back, get your tea, because it's about to get real. Tell me about Bia right now and why this has become your North Star here at the Women's Foundation. Thank you, Teresa. Muchísimas gracias. Era una emoción estar aquí hablando contigo. It's really, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. And yeah, you're right. We are living a very important moment, a moment where we attacks on gender, on women, on the LGBTQ community, on attacks on bodily autonomy are pervasive, not only in the United States, but across the world. And you're right. I am from Brazil. I am from Sao Paulo. I immigrated to the United States as, as a teenager to New York. And having spent most of my childhood in different places in the state of Sao Paulo, in different cities, and left the United States during the military dictatorship when folks were disappearing, and immigrated with my family. And after a few years, my mother went back to Brazil and I stayed. And I think back on the experience, the immigration experience, I also think back on the experience of growing up under such a repressive and regressive government in Brazil that really my North Star started very young in terms of understanding that there are ways in which we are freedom and our rights can be taken away very easily and very quickly. And the consequences of that being so extreme and so violent. So I'm extremely honored and happy and excited and also nervous. And all of all of the things that happen when you are in a leadership position. And to be in this place right now in California, the Women's Foundation of California, which is a very special place that really believes an organization and folks that really believe in investing in people in intergenerational solutions that really invests in communities, in grassroots organizations, and also grassroots leaders. We are in a very fragile moment for democracy and for progressive societies in general. And the fact that I am Brazilian right now is particularly because Brazil and the United States are living, we're living very similar, while completely different at the same time, very similar policies, very similar experience with Trump and Bolsonaro, what has happened after both of those presidencies, and with Bolsonaro being held accountable in some ways in Brazil for the January 8th that we had in Brazil, which was similar to the January 6th that we had in the United States, and that there are efforts to bring the former president to justice as well. So I feel that I am and we are together. We are the leaders that we need right now. We are the network of young and middle-aged and older and gender expressive folks in California fighting for bodily autonomy, fighting for democracy, fighting for progressive change, and leading in the United States and also impacting the rest of the Americas as well, because we are connected. 
We are very much. I couldn't agree with you more. Sometimes we can be very narrow focused about what's happening here in California or maybe, you know, other communities in the United States. But when it becomes a global issue, and I like to say this, collectively, we understand what's happening against women, you know, having economic stability, having the right over our bodies, being able to vote. And that's just not for Latinas. We're talking about all communities here that are really being marginalized even more across the world. And we focus here in the United States about what's happening. This organization, which is a women's foundation here in California, really starts to become a leader to show and to help other women that are running for office or that are standing up for reproductive justice or that are helping and educating women to be economic entrepreneurs and leaders for their communities so that they can have sustainability and build some wealth, right? So, I mean, it's all encompassing. And I just love what the organization has been doing. So tell me a little bit about when you came over here and was there a pivotal moment for you besides what you said, the immigration process, but there was something here in the United States that really galvanized something for you to really start on this path? Yeah, I definitely think there were a couple of things. One was really understand when I moved to the United States, there weren't really classes for English learners. So I was, sister and I were put in special ed classes thinking that that might help learn English a little bit easier. And really having the experience of not really understanding how to read cultural cues, not feeling extremely vulnerable in spaces of not being familiar with how things are done. I think that experience, and it might sound that a little simplistic, but there's something about that vulnerability that really created for me an understanding about what it's like to be in positions where you are at the mercy or you are less in charge of your own destiny. For me, that's what that felt like as a teenager moving to the United States and being far away from communities, from folks who had known me, folks who really were paying attention to me. So there is this way in which my work, which my work, my entire career has really been focused on gender justice, economic justice, racial justice, and environmental justice. And I've had done a number of different things, but with that always being my North Star. So I've done a lot of work in film, and I've done a lot of work in media arts. Then I moved to doing work that is very community-based, that was affordable housing development in Philadelphia of years. And from there, I led an organization, a social service and policy advocacy organization for 10 years, where we worked with moms and kids who are homeless, moms and kids who are in abusive situations, seniors, young people. So it was an all around organization, I mean, all comprehensive services. And understanding that for people to be able to fulfill their dreams, whatever they are, to live healthy, productive, and I, I mean productive in the sense of the life that they want for themselves and their families, and that it takes tremendous 
community and infrastructure and really movement because the systems in the United States, and I can only speak really about the United States in Brazil, are really not set up for folks like us. The systems are set up to create, are set up as barriers. So what you need to have is so much more to be able to do something that a cis white man will be able to do very, very easily. So I feel that my entire career, even though I have done different things, have always been focused on how is it that we, one, change the local circumstances of folks? How do we then change policies and structures and systems that impact folks? But then how do you go from the local to the state and to the national and, of course, the international? Because, for example, we know that in the United States right now that the right and the extreme right have been working very collaboratively with each other to get to the point of overturning Roe. We know that the right in the United States is coordinating and communicating with the right in Brazil and really making, of course, in other spaces as well. But I just want to talk about these two places that I know intimately. And so it's very important for us to create the spaces for ourselves to see ourselves in action, to really not just resist these attacks on us, but to really imagine and create the world that, that we have not experienced yet. So that is why the Women's Foundation of California, that we focus on supporting leaders, grassroots leaders, grassroots organizations, policy and systems change and narrative change and connecting folks. So networks of powerful people can really move local, state and national policies. Yeah, that's a mic drop right there because that is the power of networks and collaboration and building an ecosystem. Because as you were saying in that statement, they've been doing that for some time. And it's a game of chess versus checkers. You know what I mean? It's a strategy. It's been going on for some time. And I think all of us are just starting to wake up to see how this is really organized. And how do we mobilize now? That's the next movement for a lot of women. Because the power of women's voices and how we collaborate and share in communities, as you said, from a local level to a state level to national, it's really powerful. You know, I'm so moved by it. So one of the things that I know that is in the works for you as a CEO is building and elevating a lot more into the future. So what does that vision look like for you so we have in the past, as you said, 40 plus years, really focused on supporting movement building in communities and systems change, policy change. I want to make sure that policy is very important and necessary policy change. And we also need to change the hearts and minds of folks. So the cultural work, the narrative change, how is it that you are able to reach someone to be able to have a different experience or to understand something differently is not often about the facts. It's more about which is what policies. Here are the facts. Here is all the information. This is why we need to do it, which is important, and we'll continue to do it. 
the work of bringing folks along, changing hearts and minds, which is really the cultural and the narrative change work, is really vital. So that we are thinking about change more than in four-year increments, more than in election years. Because the attacks that we're experiencing right now, as you said, with voter repression, with redistricting, all of that work, it's all connected to bodily autonomy with really the attacks on gender. It's all connected. So I think it's a combination. We need to do a couple of things. We need to, yes, we need to continue to organize, continue to mobilize, and it must be intergenerational. It must be that the young folks are out and they are out. They are incredible. We have a program that's called the Summer Leadership Institute for young folks who are women and gender expensive, women identified and gender expensive from 14 to 18 year old. And it is amazing what these young people are doing. They are brilliant, they are smart, and they are trying to be connected across the state. They are coming together they're going to spend a little bit over a week together, and they are connected to a network of alums that we have who have gone through the Beast of Lease Policy Institute. There are over 600 alums in California that have passed over 50 bills in the state of California. So it's already a pretty powerful network because each one of these folks are connected to many other folks. And so the vision is really not only to organize, but organize towards a progressive state of California for women and gender expensive folks to be able to live their dreams, their rights, you know, with health, with food security, economic security, racial justice, all of the things that we haven't had. So I think it's important to think about the work of places like the Women's Foundation of California and other places that, yes, these moments are very important because we know elections matter. We know voting matter. We know how much folks fought for the right to vote. And that is one piece of the work. So it's very important for us to be able to stay connected, to be able to think about the narratives that we're responding to, but creating new narratives. Right. So you bring up a very interesting topic for me, because when you say changing the narrative and being connected, a lot of that is through technology. And today, when you say the dominant narrative exists, it exists through the platforms that we use, the information that's being fed through technology, you know, how it's being fed back to us based on algorithms. And we are not on the platforms building the technology today. It's a lot of narratives that have been previously filled through the interwebs. It is something that I am very passionate about, which is why I started Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom, because of our racial identities through the interwebs, how we're portrayed, our identities as very low wage and not economically business and CEO oriented, which is why I have a lot of women like yourself and community members and tech builders being on this platform because that is changing the narrative. Google governs 90% of the search market. And right now that's being weaponized towards women who are searching reproductive 
services, health, and then also voter information. And then if we can go back to the pandemic, how the misinformation of the pandemic was also hurting our communities. So in this capacity of technology being a force for this vision of being connected and changing the narrative, I want us to realize that a lot of policymaking and your organization are a fact-based resource site for true information. You know, it's a real danger. It has been, as you said, for many years that we have been really trying to have policies that are providing some controls. And we know, for example, that right now Meta is still not protecting folks who are searching for reproductive and abortion care, for reproductive health care. And so it is a very, very dangerous place that we're in. As somebody who grew up under the military dictatorship, I mean, right now, all the facial recognition and all of the things like in a regress, in a repressive government, not that we don't have some of that in the United States, but it's just incredibly scary. So I also want to say that there is a lot of people doing incredible work, not only to get policies in place, but to really to work on narrative change that really is comprehensive, that is inclusive, that is really trying to reach folks where they're at to be able to support them in seeing other parts of the reality that we are experiencing. So for example, speaking of Latino organizations, there is the Latinx House, such a force really looking at representation for the Latino community and the Latina community, but really beyond representation How is it that you create and support creatives and stories? And also, as you said, the distribution. Sometimes it's not so much the development, the creation of content, but then how do you get the content out is extremely difficult, as you said. And then we have the Center for Cultural Power that is also supporting artists in many different disciplines that are creating really not just parts of uh, works that are happening individually, but also as part of campaigns, working in community, creating avenues for folks to enter into conversations that for them might be a bit difficult. So I think that I feel extremely hopeful in that while these attacks are extremely violent and cruel in our community, against our communities, I think it's also an opportunity for us to think, okay, the way we were doing things, for example, we know that the way we were talking about abortion care and reproductive health care was not working. Well, we need to really think about how is it that we are envisioning it? What do we want? How do we get there? What are the stories that are going to help? And we saw that with the fall of Roe, you know, 70 plus percent of the country is in favor of folks having access to reproductive health and abortion care. So it's interesting that the policymakers, the Supreme Court has made a decision that is actually at this point against what the majority of the country wants and thinks is the right of every person who should access reproductive health and abortion care. 
So I do think that there is a lot of opportunity for us. I think that we are also in a very fragile moment. So we thought 2020 was an important election. 2024 is an extremely important election because in the United States, Trump or others like Trump or in Brazil with Bolsonaro, they are representation of something. They are just one person, but without them, all of this movement attacking gender is still present. So we need to continue to work. We need to continue to organize. We have to continue to dream of ways that we can achieve the lives that we want for ourselves and for our families and for our communities and really for the nation. Right. It's all about safety, too, because that is how it builds is the fear mongering. And we're not saying this is about fear. This is about taking action and ownership of what you want and how to be motivated and activated. You can't change what's happening right now with the diversity that's happening across the nation. It's just a part of, you know, beautiful thing. And we need to keep it that way. So many people want to come here. You know, I just came from abroad and when they find out we're from America, they're like, oh, I want to go to America. And I'm like, I asked them, I'm like, why do you want to go to America? Like to visit, like they want to come to visit. And you know what? The, it's interesting to me when you, we're talking about creatives, Bia, and this is another podcast that's going to come out anyway. It's not here, but they always say, oh, I want to go to Los Angeles, you know, Hollywood. They want because of movies, right? Because of movies. And then also like technology, they're just fascinated. But California is the destination, you know what I mean, that they want to come to. Because they think it's like, you know, this beautiful music, magical, like movie place. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think, you know, I think uh, it's a combination of things, right? One is that the United States, it's such a huge cultural power, imperial cultural power in the rest of the rest of the world. So I see the influence of American TV all over the world, in Latin America for sure. And then the other thing that is interesting, being an immigrant and watching what's happening in Europe and of course what's happening in Texas with her doing the all the violent things he's doing against the migrants. It's really astonishing to me that the other relationship with climate and environmental change, and we really are still living the consequences of, especially in, in the Americas, the economies that were based on slavery, the economies are based on colonization, the economies that are based on the force of the United States in Latin America, and the narrative about why people need to change space to be able to even be safe are incredibly phobic. And without this movement for migration, we also don't have and don't get the kind of vibrant and beautiful society that we all experience in the United States in California, for example. And also we really lose out on understanding how is it that folks have courage to do the amount of the really very difficult things that they do to make the decisions that they make that are very 
consequential for themselves and their families and generations. And my last point about the immigration piece is that folks can't move around the world, but money can. The money travels really without passports across the world. So it's it's something to think about and to think about the connections between the migration, between the attacks on bodily autonomy, between attacks on democracy and the attacks on the earth and the attacks on how is it that we are in a space where the earth is burning. Yeah, it's a real thing. And again, when I come back to like, you know, the narrative today and what you just mentioned, it is powerful that people want to erase how this country was built. A lot of people know in other countries, obviously, what has happened here. And the fact that they just think we're nuts and we are because what's happening. But at the same time, it's also affecting, like you say, other global nations. They're trying to replicate that to keep the power of the people, which is the majority of working class and communities down. And it's all a colonial mindset in a way that has to change. And this is what we're talking about, changing that dominant narrative and using your voice as a platform however you can, or assisting those, you know, everybody wants to do what they want to do. And that's totally fine. But what's happening right now is we've gone back 50 years. And that's why we're having this conversation today. And Bia is here to talk about her new vision for the Women's Foundation, which has been in service for over 40 years. And I know she hasn't been there that long. I don't know, you've been there for some time. But you understand these challenges, being an immigrant, coming here and seeing the narrative and being a force to enable more young leaders and policymakers to help change this narrative. So I really love that. And Bia, before, you know, I know we're going to close out here shortly, but I want to ask you right now, like being a creator and all these things, right? I, I mean, we're, we'll talk about your bio and the show notes and everything, but, and you've done podcasting too. I just want to say that she has been a podcaster. She did a series and I think she won an award for it. Goals, everybody, goals, podcaster goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, yeah, I have a podcast that is on our website. It's called Kiskadi and it's really conversations with folks who you would not hear their stories very much because, you know, this is to elevate, to amplify voices of folks who are powerful, powerful people in California and who are not as known, but who are doing incredible work. So Kiskaji is actually the name of a bird that is throughout the Americas, including the United States. It's a gender nonconforming bird because the male... <laughs> The male identified bird <laughs> takes care of the little chickies, the little birdie. The other thing that's really interesting about it is that it's a tiny, tiny bird, but it has a humongous voice. And I grew up listening to Benji V in Portuguese singing in the morning. So, and I love that it has the continuity of all the Americas. But the other thing I was going to say is that for folks who are looking for opportunities, because I know that folks are looking for opportunities to connect, to age, to think about their power in this moment and moving forward. 
So I would say to you, if you're interested, reach out to us at the Women's Foundation of California. Go to our website. We support so many fabulous, beautiful, powerful organizations across the state who are doing all of this work to really bring communities together, to organize communities, to make sure that folks' rights are not being trampled on, to, if you're interested in learning about policy, apply to our Policy Institute. If you're a young person and you're interested in leadership development, come to our website. We have a program for you. We are one of these unique organizations where we are operating public foundation, which means that we have own programs. We also are a grant maker and we organize philanthropy to be able to continue, but to increase support for the communities that we really care about deeply. I think that it's a time, it's really an important time to think about how is it that you are showing up, not in the sense of saying, no, everybody has to show up in the same way. That is not that. It's a moment of reflection. It's a moment of thinking, what is the world? What is the life that I want for myself, for my family, for my community? And what part can I bring? And what Hard can I learn from community too? So I think there is so much opportunity. They're really wonderful. California is an incredibly rich state in terms of movement building organizations. Now, as you said, even the mainstream Hollywood, but narrative change work and resources to be able to mobilize and do the work that we want to do. I am very proud of our work. I am very honored to have been selected as the CEO after Serena Khan, who's living after nine years, but has been there for many more years than that. And I've been there for five years. So I was there, I was, was the head of the programs and then became a strategist for the foundation and now the CEO. So I'm very, very honored. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and leaving us with a connection of how to find you and the Women's Foundation of California for resources to help get involved or just to educate yourself. I also saw how you funded so many organizations that are powerful today, like the Dolores Huerta Foundation and all these other, you know, wonderful organizations that are thriving today. And that's how you build the ecosystem of women empowerment, community leadership. I mean, California is 40% Latino. So, I mean, we are really leading a lot of initiatives here through a lot of policymaking and organizations. So if you like to get involved, it's the Women's Foundation of California. And Vieta is the CEO. And you can find her there and connect with her or also on LinkedIn the information that's being passed through their social handles, and that's the Women's Foundation of California. Bea, is there anything else you want to leave us with? I know there's like many things, but what's the number one thing we can leave this podcast with today? I think that it's important to remember that we are the leaders. We are the dreamers that we need right now. We are here in this moment, and we are who we're waiting for, and we are who are going to change our systems. And we are the ones who are going to be able to bring about a world where we can thrive. 
Yeah. Thank you so much, Bia, for being on Latinas from the block to the boardroom. Gracias, Teresa. Gracias. Thank you, Bia, for joining us today on Latinas from the block to the boardroom. I hope you're all inspired by our season five and having Bia open us up with all the information of how we can come together collectively and to understand what's at stake in 2024. If you'd like to know more about the Women's Foundation of California, it's womensfoundca.org. Her podcast, Kiskidi, can also be found on the website. You can also reach out to Bia through LinkedIn at Bia Viera, and that's V-I-E-I-R-A of the Women's Foundation of California through LinkedIn. This podcast was produced by Teresa E. Gonzalez of Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom and founder of 5E Leadership and Marketing. If you'd like to learn more about Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom podcast and our services, please sign up for our newsletter at latinasb2b.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at latinasb2b, YouTube channel that we have, Latinas B2B, and also LinkedIn at Teresa E. Gonzalez. This podcast was also audio engineered and sound designed by Robert Lopez of Crates Audio. Gracias, mi gente.